distant Martian life, anything from microbes to the doomed canal builders, or even alien visitors. As you know, no evidence of any of these has ever been found, and so stories have naturally blossomed to fill the gap, just as in Lowell's time, or in Homer's, or in the caves, or on the savannah. Stories of microfossils wrecked by our bioorganisms, of ruins found in dust storms and then lost forever, of Big Man and all his adventures, of the elusive little red people always glimpsed out of the corner of the eye. And all of these tales are told in an attempt to give Mars life or to bring it to life because we are still those animals who survived the Ice Age and looked up at the night sky in wonder and told stories. And Mars has never ceased to be what it was to us from our very beginning, a great sign, a great symbol, a great power. And so we came here. It had been a power. Now... It became a place. And so we came here. But what they didn't realize was that by the time we got to Mars, we would be so changed by the voyage out that nothing we had been told to do mattered anymore. It wasn't like submarining or settling the Wild West. It was an entirely new experience. And as the flight of the Ares went on, the Earth finally became so distant that it was nothing but a blue star among all the others. Its voices so delayed that they seemed to come from a previous century. We were on our own. And so we became fundamentally different beings. All lies, Frank Chalmers thought irritably. He was sitting in a row of dignitaries, watching his old friend John Boone give the usual Boone inspirational address. It made Chalmers weary. The truth was, the trip to Mars had been the functional equivalent of a long train ride. Not only had they not become fundamentally different beings... They had actually become more like themselves than ever, stripped of habits until they were left with nothing but the naked raw material of their selves. But John stood up there waving a forefinger at the crowd, saying, We came here to make something new. And when we arrived, our earthly differences fell away, irrelevant in this new world. Yes, he meant it all literally. His vision of Mars was a lens that distorted everything he saw, a kind of religion. He would spout the same nonsense in private conversation, no matter how you rolled your eyes. Chalmers stopped listening and let his gaze wander over the new city. They were going to call it Nicosia. It was the first town of any size to be built freestanding on the Martian surface, all the buildings were set inside what was, in effect, an immense clear tent, supported by a nearly invisible frame and placed on the rise of Tharsis, west of Noctis Labyrinthus. 
This location gave it a tremendous view, with a distant western horizon punctuated by the broad peak of Pavonis Mons. For the Mars veterans in the crowd, it was giddy stuff. They were on the surface. They were out of the trenches and mesas and craters. They could see forever. Hurrah! A laugh from the audience drew Frank's attention back to his old friend. John Boone had a slightly hoarse voice and a friendly Midwestern accent, and he was by turns, and somehow even all at once, relaxed, intense, sincere, self-mocking, modest, confident, serious, and funny. In short, the perfect public speaker, and the audience was rapt. This was the first man on Mars speaking to them. And judging by the looks on their faces, they might as well have been watching Jesus produce their evening meal out of the loaves and fishes.